Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AdWords Podcast. Great to have you back. Simon Alicia here in Melbourne, Australia. Joined this week by a special guest. I'm joined by Drew Meyer, who's Head of Product Marketing for AWS Storage Services. Welcome to the podcast, Drew. Hey, it's great to be here, Simon. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. We've got lots to talk about. We're going to actually do this in a few different episodes over the coming weeks because uh, we thought we'd get together and dive a little deeper on some of the storage things in AWS land for our customers. And one of the ones that really intrigues me and I have a uh, an interesting relationship with from an architectural perspective is a service we have called Amazon Elastic File System or Amazon EFS. Now, uh, before we launch in, let me just give a quick headline of what it is. Um, basically, it's simple scalable file storage fused with Amazon EC2 instances in the AWS cloud. Uh, it lets you create and configure file systems quickly and easily. And the thing that's really important here is that the storage capacity is elastic and you can grow and shrink uh, as you required, um, as you add and remove files, I should say. And basically, it allows your applications to have the storage they need when they need it. And it's a shared file system, which is really, really interesting for a lot of applications. So before we go any, into any more detail, Drew, why do we even have EFS? You know, we've got S3, super mm-hmm. scalable, shared object store. I love it deeply. I encourage my customers to use that in their architectures. But yeah, we have EFS as well. What's the what's the deal? You know, the world is... is uh it's a different place depending on where you stand, right? There's so <laughs> one of those Greek philosophers said you could never step in the same river twice. So we hear a lot of customers coming to us and saying, I'm a developer and I'm starting from scratch. And you can insert your big, exciting web company there, Netflix or Pinterest or or somebody like that. And so they architect from the ground up looking for something that's really big, really scalable, doesn't lose data when you give it to it and is cost effective. Well, I didn't say anything about performance there. So that's a great role for S3, for object storage, where you're starting from scratch. You don't have any existing data that's used in a particular format in a particular workflow or application. Now, the flip side of that whole developer audience is the enterprise gang, where these guys have years even of data that's been collected and used. Uh, Perhaps they've spent a lot of money and time developing on NAS devices, NAS servers from NetApp or Hitachi or EMC. And they're accustomed to a set of protocols and file system uh, behaviors that they've built their applications and workflows around. So object doesn't have a lot of meaning in that world. So we, we looked at that and said, there's a crew out there that's not getting what they need from the existing suite of cloud services at Amazon today, or for that matter, from anyone else. How do we solve these really tricky challenges of making something that's elastic and can grow and scale on demand? and still provide the consistent user interface that they're accustomed to using with what they've already got built. And this is it, EFS. Well, that's the intention. (laughs) People say they like it. And it's the magic is about buying it by the drop instead of buying it by the box. The old model Mm -hmm. is you're never right. That's the problem. You've either under-provisioned, you get your budget at the beginning of the year, you allocate what you think you're going to need for storage, as I like to say, there's three things in life that are certain. It's death, taxes, and data growth in our industry. And so <laughs> you're never right. You either under-provisioned and you didn't use everything you planned for, which means you spent a bunch of capital on a box of disks that's just sitting there. And the yeah. flip side of that is you run out towards the end of the year. Your budget's been already allocated. You got people banging on the door saying, I need capacity. You can't go buy another box. And so you're under-provisioned and you're equally worse off. How do we solve that? Well, cloud's a pretty good answer to a lot of that stuff. Exactly, exactly. And the E and EFS, of course, stands for elastic, and that's where the elastic fits in. But the F stands for file. And that's really the thing here is that this is a 
file system interface. So you've got your typical file system access semantics, so you've got strong consistency, you've got file locking, and you can connect thousands of EC2 instances to this shared file system. And you're right, you know, there's a lot of uh, existing application designs, existing uh, topologies, existing um, architectures that can't change, let's put it that way as well, mm. um, that rely upon having a durable, performant shared file system in place. And uh, in the past, you kind of had to build that yourself using building blocks of EC2 and EBS and other pieces of software. Um, now you don't. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's the simplicity that's really the winning point that customers are telling us about this. That in, in the old, you, before now, you kind of had two options. You could continue buying by the box and doing it on prem, which has its pros and cons that we just talked about, and um, and it you know you still have some people that you have to pay to be experts in this stuff, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. But is it really where you want your IT dollars to be going instead of developing stuff that moves your business forward in a different way? The other side of that is how do I build something equivalent in the cloud? Well, you can take an EC2 instance and load a file system on it and support that with some block storage underneath that's captive to that machine. And then you can try to hook a bunch of those together and share it and manage it. But most importantly, you got to figure out how to make this work. You got to license that third-party software. And, you know, for example, let's say GlusterFS. And you got to find somebody who knows how to make GlusterFS dance, which may not be any better or smarter of a spend than the way you were doing it before. With EFS, anybody who has access to your Amazon account can log in, find an EC2 instance, pull up the service and start mounting a file system in a couple of clicks. That's pretty different sounds approach. A lot like, yeah, sounds a lot like getting rid of that undifferentiated heavy lifting, which is uh, really, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's I, the giveaway. If, if something's uh, long involved and quite tedious, <laughs> that's that's what we want to take away. Yeah, totally. That looked to us. And, and then from a from a use case perspective, people are looking at this to say, web serving. Wow. If I'm front-ending a web server farm with a bunch of Linux boxes and they're running on EC2 and, and I've got that side in my scalability, my growth and, and reduction in demands all dialed in, what do I do about getting parallel access to all these files that I want to serve? And there's no file system available. I just have to do that on top of my EC2 machines. It gets complicated. So bigger web-centric firms are moving to this right away. I wouldn't call that necessarily a tier one application. Now, of course, it depends on who you are, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But web serving is perfectly suited to this and maybe not suited to, to provisioning a massive server farm from with EMC gear. Another uh, common scenario here we hear about is content management kind of falls in the same lines or home directories. I hesitate to say that you want to get rid of all those all those uh, MP3s that are sitting out there. <laughs> Many people have this problem. You know, it's not the first time. And you, maybe you don't want to move those into the cloud per se, but you get the idea. These tier two workloads that are maybe not primary for the classic data center can be put into something that's a little bit more effective, a little easier to use, and can certainly scale. You know, we, I, I would like to find out where the ends of that scale are someday. Absolutely. Actually, speaking of scale and, and, and sharing, one of the other use cases popped up a lot um, has been in the research space and education space, um, where a lot of uh, you know, parallel processing workloads and analytics type workloads require that shared, they've sort of been built with that concept of, of a shared file system in place. And this has really unlocked that for a lot of customers who really wanted to use the elasticity of EC2, particularly the spot market as well. But sort of their existing tooling and existing uh, code base required you know, that quote unquote assumption of a shared file system or a NAS device, etc. This has kind of solved that problem for them, hasn't it? Yeah, you're on the right track. The the 
the problem is separating out storing the data and using the data or, or that becomes the problem. So one of the ways we look at architecting these, what we're essentially just talking about here is big data and analytics types of workloads. If you put, if you make the data lake your S3 platform and keep everything in there as objects, so dump everything you have, whether it's old tape files, whether it's leftover files from a different file system, whether it's objects that you've newly created, whether it's streams you're pulling in from sensor equipment out on the edge, it doesn't matter. Stick it all in the lake. And then when it comes time to do a task, you take it out of that and put it in your EC2 instances and into your file system and crunch it in the way that your applications are written. And then you get a result that you're accustomed to getting. You take that and drop it back into S3. Now you've turned storage into a platform that underpins everything you do, but you're putting the valuation correctly along the spectrum. So you keep the low cost tiered storage down there in S3 where it's super durable and super scalable. And you pull out the valuable stuff, run it through EFS, get as big or as fast as you want because you can aggregate tons of instances together to point at this and get consistent latencies no matter how big you get. But then when you're finished, you can take those results and put them back or shrink down the results that you're keeping in your EFS to keep that running and keep pushing them over to S3. Hope that made sense. Yeah, yep. so it's a, it's a far more malleable environment that we're used to. It, it does require a change of thought process and 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 consideration of the, the different choices of, uh, of storage that are available. Um, one of the things I wanted to do real quick for our listeners is to cover a few technical aspects because I know some people have some, some initial questions and, and obviously we could dive as deep as possible on this sort of technology. But um, essentially to basically access EFS, you're basically mounting a file system on an Amazon EC2 Linux-based instance using the standard Linux mount command. Uh, so it's just like mounting anything else because EFS uses NFS version 4.1 protocol. So if you're yep. used to using NFS, that's the one. <laughs> um, at the moment, yep, it's yep. Linux, you- Linux, Linux only. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a Linux shop or a, or have experience with Solaris or NFS or applications written in that world, then this is going to be a really smooth transition. We, we should highlight for our listeners that we don't support SMB yet, the Microsoft Server Message Block, or SIFS, as other people call it. So in a Microsoft environment um, where you're using it for file sharing, this isn't going to solve that. Not yet anyway. <laughs> Not yet, right. I, you know, um, TBD. As, as a, yeah. <laughs> We always like to get customer feedback if that's something you'd like to see, and um, that's sort of how we we drive what we do. Um, In terms of uh, accessibility, so all the data is redundantly stored across multiple availability zones in the region that you've created your EFS file system in. Um, And a file system can be accessed concurrently from all the AZs in the region that's located. So you can have your application failover from AZ to AZ, which you should do anyway. Um, And the mount targets themselves are also designed to be highly available. So some really good patterns there for accessibility uh, within your environment and also um, within your VPC as well. And if we talk about... uh, um, region availability and look it is constantly growing so d- depending on when you're listening to this podcast it may have changed but at the moment uh, we have support for EFS in uh, in US East North Virginia, US East Ohio, US West Oregon and EU Ireland and the pricing is pretty straightforward uh, basically you pay for the amount of file system storage that you use per month um, there's no minimum there's no setup charge um, there's no bandwidth or request charge and in your first 12 months, you can get five gig a month for free in the free tier as well. So that's pretty nifty. Now, Drew, before yeah, we wind it up, yeah, sure. before we wind it up, though, I wanted to ask you the question that is perennially on the minds of pretty much any storage administrator is how do I move data to and from location X? 
Um, talk us through EFS and what we do there. Right. So what you want to do is pull stuff in from EC2 from either an object store like some buckets in S3 and then convert that into, into files and stick that in through your EC2 host. And then the other sort of what I'd call a brute force approach is use a uh, one of our transfer services, the import-export service, something like a snowball to capture up to 80 terabytes, throw that into an S3 bucket and uh, move that physically over the uh, over the roadway network in you know, roughly about a week to get a big batch of data up there into NFS. Yeah, certainly if, if you've got really big data sets, I think Snowball kind of elects itself. We've had uh, I know lots of customers in Australia using that particular service. And it is a really efficient way to move bulk data. And you've got to remember a lot of the data that gets stored on something like EFS is not actually super frequently accessed data. It's just huge volume data. So um, finding yeah. an efficient way to get it up there is really important. Yeah, and, and and keep an eye on reInvent as well. Our conference this fall, as we record this, there's a bunch of great new stuff coming out in that direction. So we look forward to sharing more with customers. Absolutely. Well, Drew, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks, Simon. And thanks, everyone, for listening. As ever, we love your feedback, awspodcast.amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.